Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 514. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, along with some quick takes, oh. um, we're going to talk about uh, teenagers and things like that. And how we can kind of continually learn, repair, and connect with them. Actually, we're going to talk specifically about rupture and repair. Ooh, rupture. That sounds very complicated. It's, it's clinical. It's clinical. Um, and it's inspired by one of our Team Zen members who wrote us a question. And I'm going to read some highlights of that question. But first... Um, we have a few things coming up. We have the Zen Parenting Conference 2020. Yep. Tony Porter, Rachel Simmons. And you have less than a month to get your early bird uh, prices because November 1st, it just goes to regular prices. So if you're planning on coming, um, get your ticket now. Um, and if you are going to get a ticket, go ahead and join Team Zen because you get a 10% discount, I think. Uh-huh. So just try out Team Zen for a month just to get the discount. And then yeah. if you don't like it, then... That's a discount on a discount. Yeah. Then just close shop. Uh, we have a pop culturing this Wednesday. Um, oh, I want to play my pop culture music, but it's not queued up. St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. The Man in Motion. We taped that a long time ago. We did. We snuck in um, Unbelievable yeah. in between that. But that was a fun one to do. I'm excited to... I, I don't listen to all of our podcasts, but that one I want to listen to again. <laughs> Re-listen to? Because I just remember laughing a lot. <laughs> and uh, Tribe, Men's Group. We have a virtual community. We have a topic. Uh, we have a call tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m. If you're interested, just go to uh, tribemensgroup.org, click on events, and what's RSVP. The, what's the topic? You said we have a topic. We do. It's a three-minute video. All the guys that are on the call are going to have a three-minute video. I think it's called Boys Don't Cry or something like that. Okay. It's kind of a haunting video. So how does somebody, somebody wants to be on this call, how do they get the... Video. As soon as as you RSVP, I'll get a notice saying, hey, I want in and I'll send you all the information. So where do they go? The tribemensgroup.org. Okay. And then also, everybody, uh, October 25th through 27th, we have a Zen parenting workshop at uh, 1440 in California. So all of our West Coast people um, get to this weekend workshop because it's going to be really great. And we we decided we're going to be we know our focus and where we're going to go, but we're also going to have lots of time for Q and a, um, we want to make sure that people who are showing up in person can really talk about their personal experience. That's right. It's going to be good. So Um, that's a zenparentingradio.com. Uh, quick take. Um, just so you know, sweetie, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles. I do know that team. Um, the front office is an outlier. More than half of owner Jeffrey Lurie's top advisors are women. Nice. Uh, at, at the average NFL franchise last year, just 20% of employees were women, only 18% at VP level. So hats off to Jeffrey Lurie, whoever that guy is. So what is, when you say front office, you mean? More than half of his top advisors are women. I so I it. say VP and above. Nice. Half of it is, half of them are women. Do you know what I think of when I think of that team? I think of Bradley Cooper <laughs> and I think of Silver Linings Playbook. Yes. And I think of how... Uh, Robert De Niro has all those things that he has to do. Yes, he's to get a ready for a game. Guy. Superstitious, little OCD. Yeah. I think that we figure Krabby out. Krabby snacks and homemade. Krabby snacks and homemade. Dad. Dad. Krabby snacks. <laughs> um, this uh, was concerning, and I kind of want to like make light of it. It's, but it's probably pretty serious. A new su- study suggests future parents should stop drinking up to a year before conception. Yeah, six months. No, I don't know. I, I'm sure you're right, but. 
that's because a study found a link between parents' drinking habits during that time, especially future dads and babies' chances of having congen- congenital, congenital heart defects. Yeah. Now, that is kind of interesting. Huge. Because when we were making babies, I'm sure there was times when I was not sober. Sure. Or you had right. had a drink or two. Sure. Well, I just think any kind of information when around fertility, um, yeah. so much of... Obviously, the pressure is on the woman to get her body in good shape, to meditate, to do yoga, to not be stressed, which is almost impossible when you're trying to get pregnant. Um, And there's so much pressure. And then now to recognize that they're... um, that it's also important for the father to be thoughtful about their choices prior to conception. We had... um a coach and she helped us kind of, I remember she's like, you know, if you're trying to create, it's probably best for everybody to be sober. Yes. We, we made that decision. So when I took that into account when we, um, but this says stop drinking up to a year before, like I was more like, okay, I'm not going to drink that day. Oh yeah. This says something completely different. Well, and again, and it's hard to think back because were we drinking that much? Of course we were. We were? In our 20s and 30s? But we weren't having babies in our 20s, honey. In our 30s? Well, we had babies in our early 30s. So were we going out a lot? It's so hard for me to of remember. Of course we were. Okay. Of course. It's just very... Um, anyways. Well, it's something to... I hate to... Well... And again, it's so easy for me to be low key about it because it's not an issue in right. our life right now. So I can be like, whatever. Um, and I don't mean to be passive for those of you who are trying to get pregnant and hear mm-hmm. this and you're like, oh, geez. Right. Um, but it's just another thing to, con- to take into consideration. And like I said, I like the idea of both partners um, being thoughtful about their choices yeah. because I think too much falls on one person. Yeah. And I think that pressure is... Um, it, it, I don't think anybody understands what that feels like. I remember, um, a few times finding out I wasn't pregnant when I wanted to be and being really, really, really upset, obviously. And, um, and you being like, what's the big deal? It's just another month. And that is a huge deal because we're tracking and we're monitoring and, and I'm not even speaking for those who are doing IVF and other kind of interventions that make it very difficult. Yeah. So I, I don't really have a, I, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying, I think sharing the responsibility is nice. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and last but not least is um, Tony Porter is our keynote. He is the, for the conference, for the conference. He has an organization called the call to men. And he reminded me in an email that October is domestic violence awareness month, Nice, which I didn't know. So a few things you can do to help is donate to organizations that support survivors. Um, use your influence and platform to further the mission of any organization. So for if you happen to be in a position of power, um, you know, make this something that at least put this on the radar of people. And for all of you who um, are listening right now, I would, if you are on Facebook or Instagram or you use social networking or Twitter, um, start following A Call to Men. Yes. It's Don't look for Tony Porter's name. Look for A Call to Men. He's the CEO. Um, I started following that page. I've always, I've known Tony Porter, meaning I've known of his work for years because yep. I always show his TED Talk to my college class. But I started following a call to men once we started working with him on this conference. I love that page. Yeah. He's like... Wonderful. It, he's, it's so... If you're 
Okay, anybody should be interested, men, women, if you're raising girls, but if you're raising boys, this is, it's really important. Yes. Like, it's the latest research. It's um, the, you know, like just this information right yeah. here that we have this month that we are focusing where, you know, our awareness, he's got the most up-to-date videos. He's got, you know, interviews with some of the best people, highlighting articles that are, that sometimes get overlooked. Like, I've appreciated having that page following that page. Do you want to know what it says on their homepage? What? Help create a world where all men and boys are loving and respectful and all women and girls are valued and safe. I mean, how can you argue with that? Drop the mic right Drop, there. I mean, that's, and that's, I hope, and I know we can't always be so even perfectly on both sides, but that's always Todd and my hope is part of the reason I love teaching with Todd and being on this podcast with Todd is we carry both sides mm -hmm. And we understand both sides or we, we do our best to listen and try and understand because there isn't a, um, it's not a winning thing. Yeah. It's not like who wins, who's better. It's we both need to come to the table and respect each other and point out when things are uneven, um, when equity and equality isn't there. And obviously right now where we are in our country, <coughs> excuse me, that's going to fall more on women's issues sure. because- there isn't equity sure. or equality quite yet. Um, okay, so here we go. This is in, I think it's a Facebook. Uh, it was on our Team Zen Facebook page. Yes. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I just highlighted a few things. Right. And this, so this was on Team Zen. Facebook this was page. a question from one of our Team Zen members. And I abbreviated it, uh, but here we go. I want to know how others with older children are handling the car, insurance, maintenance, subject with their kids. My 16-year-old daughter was given my 2014 car and has been driving with her permit for nine months. She is prone to anxiety, occasional panic attacks, and is a self-motivated overachiever, okay? I am of the belief that school, honors and AP courses, and the few extracurricular activities is her job at this point in her life. My husband likes to talk about, likes to, talk to her about the responsibility of car ownership, you know, insurance, gas, maintenance, things like that. And she has a way to make money, but finds little time to work because she's 16. Mm -hmm. um, and the husband brought up exactly how much the insurance was and how much it was going to increase if she gets a ticket. Now, our listener, our team's end member stepped in, but not before my daughter declared that he can sell the car, take her off the insurance, and he could drive her everywhere until she goes off to college. In closing, I know that my daughter will come around, but for now has said no anytime he has asked her if she wants to drive when they are on their way to school. He's he's talking, he's taking it like a personal assault when he feels like he was just trying to do his job as a parent and teach her about life. My husband will say that he feels he is expected to pay for everything, don't say anything, smile while passing out cash, and don't have any expectations that they will be responsible for anything. Mm -hmm. Any advice? <clears throat> yes. You start. So we talked, I, I wrote back to this Team Zen member a little bit, but I'm glad we get an opportunity to talk about it in more depth. Um, and I hope it's helpful, not just to her, but to other people. Because I, again, this is about the car specifically, which carries a lot of different sure. kind of feelings. Um, but I think this can be true with anything. Our kids, you know, paying for college, buying things, clothes, you know, it just gets, it gets a little muddled. Um, 
I have to say that I tend to agree with the fact that when a kid is in school, um, and especially if they're taking higher level classes or they have a sport or they're pretty heavy into activities, or they do have maybe different challenges like anxiety where they a lot of their emotional energy is taken up with something that's kind of beyond sure. them, that that is their job. And that it's not going to be their job forever, but that it's okay that we start to gently move them toward more adult responsibilities. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean they don't have responsibilities in the home. I do think that our children should have, you know, it's funny because I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking for a second, Todd, but you know, Julie Lithcott Hames was just here and um, in Elmhurst and we were just talking to her about things like chores and she was saying that there is this statistic that kids who do chores um it's something about their achievement levels or their grade levels yeah. or you know they do really well and that yeah. chores are important but i want to and, and i love that that's i don't have any issue with that but sometimes it's the word that can really throw us off there's an energy around the word chores mm -hmm. that sounds like we need to say to a kid these are your things and we're going to be tough on you and these are your chores the way i've always looked at it in our home is there certain expectations that if you're living in this house that you just do? Yeah. And I'm not calling it your chore necessarily. This is just what you do. Part of a group. Yeah. Like my kids do their own laundry. I mean, even Skylar does now. She did it earlier than JC did. Sure. Um, and, they, you know, when we're eating, everybody picks up their own plate, you know, sometimes. And here's the thing. I know Todd will, will laugh at this because it's true. Sometimes they still are like, I don't want to. Yeah. And we're like. The same reason Skyler, um, between the ages of four and ten, didn't clean up her waffles. Correct. I, I had to remind her a million Every times. Every time. Yeah. And our point, what we say to them, we don't say this is your chore. We say this is what people do. Yeah. This isn't this isn't a negotiable thing about pass this chore off to somebody else. If you are eating at a table, you bring your plate in. Mm -hmm. I expect you to do it when you're eating with us, when you're at someone else's house, or at least to ask, yeah. can I? Um, I? When we are sitting at a restaurant, I tell the girls to bus. What I, I put all the plates, I stack them up, I bus everything and try and put it at the front of the table. Yep. I think it's just a night. Uh, it's not even about being nice. It's a courteous thing to do for the wait staff. And any of you who have been um, you know, a waiter or waitress, you know how appreciated that is when they don't have to lean over you and pick sure. up every knife and napkin. You bus for people. Pre-bus. Pre-bus. That's the, that's the right word. So I'm talking a lot. Do you want to add to that as far as what the language of chores and responsibilities are? And then I'll get back on that track. Uh, no, I think you said it very well. And um, so, yeah, let's get back. On, okay. So, on a, so what we're talking about responsibility. Sure. There are responsibilities in the home and some kids get paid for them and some don't. We don't really, it, we, they don't really get money unless they do something extra for sure. you. Um, yeah, but we don't do allowances. No. Um, that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with allowances. We just no. have chosen not to do that. Um, so, But there's no like, we don't have like this big reason why. It's just no, because we're like. It just feels weird to give, for to me, feels weird just to give them money for doing things that we're expecting them to do. Right. But so someone will say, well, how do they go to a movie? Yes. It, good I'll question. say, I'll give them money for the movie. Yeah. And then when JC and Cameron, who are older, make money or they get money, then they're often taking their own money to the movie. But it goes back and forth and there is no perfect rhyme and reason. No, there's there. It's not a rigid system. No. Like mm -hmm. I usually say when the girls want to go out to Chipotle with their friends. Use your br own money. Bring your money. Yeah. 
Um, so, uh, so the a few things. Um, one is it depends on the situation. Correct. There's so many variables. There's no one way to do this. No. So that's the first thing I want to, but I do want to channel because I know this team's end member. Okay. And I know her husband. Okay. And I love her husband. I love her. Okay. But I want to channel him for a second. So okay. I want to pretend I am him. Okay. And I'm just making something up, but I'm guessing because I have some of his things inside of me. I know. And I said to Todd this morning when he said we were going to talk about this, I said that sentence, and she may not have written it verbatim. So, right. But that sentence where he's like, what am I supposed to do? Just give them money and smile and just keep handing it out is something Todd would say. Mm -hmm. Now, what I also said to Todd is I know when he says that, he doesn't really mean it. It's just his defensive way of saying, especially around money. Yes. Because you get really sensitive around money. Yes. Yes, I have some baggage. So let me me reveal some of my baggage. Okay. When I was in high school- Uh Uh-huh. I wrestled uh-huh. and I got good grades and I studied hard and all that crap. Uh-huh. And I also worked at Dominic's as a bagger at a grocery store. Right. All at the same time. Correct. So if if I'm going to channel this guy or myself and say, I was able to do it. Now, was it at the expense of my sleep? Was it at the expense of some relationships I have with my friends? Was it maybe at the expense of my relationship with my family? I don't know. But there was cost to being amazingly busy during wrestling season, working at Dominic's and trying to get good grades. So, uh, but part of my baggage would be like, I did it. So you have to, too. And the first thing I'd say to you is school is not the same as it was when you were a kid. You could get away with doing less. The expectations and the pressure were not as great. And you can say, well, I put pressure on myself or whatever, but we cannot. I mean, you got to channel Duffy for a second. You have got to get schooled about this generation to apply our childhood to our kids is not fair. The pressure is different. And I'm not saying then we're hands off. See, we got to remember as Todd and I are having this conversation, do not go dichotomous on us and go black and white and say, well, I can't talk about about it at all? Well, then I just give them money whenever. No, mm. there is some place in the middle. We constantly talk about money, but not in a and way responsibility. and responsibility, but not in a luxury way. And we also consider our own challenges with it. Meaning you have to have yes. self-awareness. Become aware of what we are bringing Correct. to this. And what I would bring to this conversation is I did it, so you can too, because it it, it taught me how to be a hard worker and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. It may have taught me how to be a hard worker, but would I have been a hard worker if I didn't have to bag groceries a few times a week? Well, I think I probably yeah. would be a hard worker even if I didn't have mm-hmm. to do that. So we kind of have this, to your point, sweetie, the black and white, like, well, this is the only way to become right. responsible it's not true. is if you're so freaking busy that your kid doesn't even, and you know, sleep is, you know, we, we saw Julie mm-hmm. speak a few weeks ago and one of my friends asked a question about homework and sleep and it's just nuts. And uh, so the only other thing I want to make sure I build into this conversation is when this dad is having these conversations with his daughter. From what energy mm-hmm. are you doing it? Because I know that I would be below the line and I would be teaching them about, I would say it's about responsibility, but I would be scaring them. Like yes. he, she even says in her thing is how much more it's going to cost if she gets a ticket. And Can you say that right, right. from a place of 
levity as opposed to just so, and I don't know what energy he, I right. can, I can only speculate, but let's just assume for a second. He's like, no, this is the steal. This is how much insurance is. This is how much it would go up, up if I had a ticket. This is how much uh, a car is. And the fact that, you know, cause there's still a part of me that doesn't like, I got my first car when I was 24 years old. Mm-hmm. My daughter received a minivan. But it's not hers. It's not, we didn't say this is your car. It's just a car that she can drive. Put it this way. I didn't have access to a car right. barely at all when I was 16. Okay. okay. She has access to a car whenever she wants. Relatively speaking, yes. Right? Relatively speaking. So that's part of my baggage Correct. too. Right. I have to know where this is coming right. from. Right. The the whole idea of I didn't get it. Why should you? I yes. turned out good. I want you to turn out like me. So I'm going to recreate the same story. So then you turn out like me. And so I can tell my friends how I've been so disciplined and um, hard on you about money to teach you um, what money is all about. But here's what one of the stories that I told the, the Team Zen member is I, I had a girlfriend in college who was told very similar things about college, meaning there was a lot of, uh, uh, from one of her parents, um, well, I was gonna say from one of her parents, he, her father Mm. would always say, you know, college is so expensive. It's, you know, it's going to break the bank for us. I hope you really like it there. You better be getting A's because this is really killing us. Well, that's not helping her Mm -hmm. become responsible about college. She actually almost considered dropping out or transferring because I mean, the transferring was she came really close mm-hmm. because all she was feeling was the pressure of if she makes a false move or a false step or does something her father didn't approve of, then she shouldn't have this. She shouldn't be where she is. Yeah. She felt bad. And I don't think that's what her dad was intending. I think he was trying to say this is expensive. I worked really hard for this. Please pay attention. Yeah. But he didn't say those words. He used guilt yeah. and he used kind of a really guilt tin shaming kind of thing. Like you should feel honored that you have this experience or you owe me or don't you understand. Now, I know people listening to this say, well, that's not what I'm trying to do. I love my kid. I don't want to do that. But that is how it comes out. It doesn't matter what your intention is. It's how it's la- It's Are you aware of your energy, of your own history, of your own concerns, and then how it lands? Because if your child is saying back to you, forget it, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to drive, then something didn't land correctly. Well, and and the fact that, you know, the mom says, you know, my daughter already deals with some anxiety. Right. You know, so like that's another, there's so many variables to every situation. And, you know, kind of just going back to like baggage, like... There's a part of me that if I'm being honest, like, you don't know how lucky you are because you get to drive a, a car whenever you want. Whereas I always had to beg my mom to borrow the Mercury Lynx mm-hmm. or the Pontiac Bonneville or right. whatever we had. And our, of course, our kids don't know how lucky they are no. because they don't have the history we have. You know what? They don't know. We don't know how lucky we were yes. to be able to ride our bikes everywhere, to have freedom from our parents, to have the decision-making 
to, to, to have the ability to choose for ourselves rather than people impose their lives on us, to not have to deal with social networking, to not have the pressure of colleges. We had advantages too. Mm-hmm. So this like comparison where we try and act like it's apples to apples, you need to have the experience I had is not fair. Right. It's not. And it's not, it's not even about fairness. It's not real. Well, they, how would they? They don't know. Unless you tell a story. But if you tell us, if the story lasts for longer than 30 seconds, you've lost them. Yeah. And for me to say, you know what? I always had to beg your grandmother, my mom, for the car so I can take my buddies to the football game on Friday night. Like, that's guilt. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what, what? Feel what bad is that? about my life situation. Right. And you can share that though. So, for those of you listening, going, well, I want my kid to know, of course. Mm-hmm. But what's the energy? Like, Todd, we, Todd and I joke a lot about, like, I tell them about the car that I had. It was a, a, a Cutlass Supreme. A Buick? No. An Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. It was brown. It was horrible. (laughs) And I felt so grateful to have it. My sister had had it, and then I got it, and it was a mess, and it was dirty. And, you know, I talk about how... um, you know, like my experience, like driving around in that thing and it breaking down and not working and whatever it may be, you can share the story without trying to infuse a huge lesson in it where they get, you don't, I mean, and maybe the lesson will come naturally that we didn't have access to the things they did. You are always trying to, and, and, and I'm, and I'm grateful for this, but you're always like, forget about the lesson. Like I'm always starting the, the conversation and they could hear in my voice, uh-huh. I'm about to go, dad's going to teach you a lesson. Right. And you're always, so can you help me sure. help, uh, help them understand what you mean by that? Well, the one thing that I said to Todd that can really throw off the girls and me, because I get frustrated when you do this, is when you'll say, you start with like a test question and you're not testing us, but it sounds like you'll say, now, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Right. How many gallons will go into a car? JC, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And so already it feels like school right? versus, do you guys know how many gallons go in a car? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. I don't even know. So I'm just making this up. But that's like, we're getting back to the energy of, of how you are communicating with your kids. Make it interesting rather than being this figure of wisdom. Hierarchy. Where, hierarchy where it's like you're testing them. They have been at school all day having people <laughs> talk to them like that. And it's not a fun conversation when your parents are giving you a multiple choice or making you speak an essay about something. Yeah. Just talk like a normal human. And and I um and you know when I bring this up to to you, sometimes you get frustrated like what? I'm just asking them a question and I love your questions. You're one of the best communicators I know. But you can, when you get excited about sharing something with the girls, you do get a little teacherish. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, I don't even want to be in this conversation. Yeah. Like where I'm like, don't please don't make me come up with an answer. Yeah. Like just talk to us about it. And sometimes when you just talk, your kids will kind of scream out answers or their, you know, like their opinion because they feel that they're part of a conversation rather than being tested. Correct. Yes. And the, and so and this is just very subtle. Mm-hmm. Like I wish we could do maybe we'll do this at the Zen Parenting 1440. We'll kind of demonstrate when we have this time during this workshop, role play some of these situations, not force anybody to. I don't force people to role so play. So do you love making uh, everybody role play? I hate it when people make me role play. But you and I can go through scenarios where it's like, what's the difference between conversation like 
Talk to your children the way you talk to your friends. Do you go to dinner with your friends and go, okay, everybody, how many gallons of gas will go in my car? Or do you just talk to them like a normal human? Right. This is the kind of relationship you want with your kids because then they will converse back with you. Yeah. yeah. Be- but the other creates a hierarchy, yeah. like you said. And here's the thing, Todd, let's like dive into that. A lot of parents think that's where they're supposed to be. Yeah. They don't want to give up that role. They like being in charge. Yeah, and that's the soul-to-soul thing versus the role-to-role thing that Annie Burnside has taught us through her books and how Duffy talked about it on the podcast a few weeks ago. Like, connection is everything, and how you do it is everything. And if you're coming at it from a... I, have, I always think of Mr. Miyagi from mm-hmm. Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Miyagi's father taught him how to fish. He taught him how to do this. He taught him how to, a million different things. And I'm always like, God, am I really teaching my kids that many things? So then I'm like, I got to be like Mr. Miyagi's dad and just start teaching these kids how to do all these things. When in fact, as we learned from Rob Bell, you're, you're teaching always teaching your kids time. and sometimes you use words. And it's such a great sentence. Okay, so let's think about that, you guys. We want to give our kids a lecture about money, but they have been watching us with money since the day they were born. How do we respond to money? How do we use money? How do we, you know, treat ourselves when it comes to money? I'll give you a perfect example. I got a bad phone call and I'm a landlord and my tenants aren't paying their rent. And I got it while we were on vacation this weekend. Yeah. And I got grumpy. Yeah. So what did I just teach my daughters about that? Like, because my one daughter, you were out, you were with Skylar going somewhere else. And I talked to my resident and they they basically didn't say what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. And I... They didn't do what they were They didn't say. do what they yeah. said they were going to do. And I know my energy shifted uh-huh. in that moment. I didn't talk about money. I didn't say anything to my daughters, mm-hmm. but they felt it. They know. They know it. Mm-hmm. So what does that teach them? Could teach them uh, that... Dad's a no-nonsense guy, or they could say money is something to be stressful about. Stressed. It changes dad's mood. Right. Money scares me because it changes dad's mood. Now, we don't have to be hard on ourselves about when we've had money challenges, there's a real, that can be a mood changer. Yeah. But is that the consistent place of being? Like, as we have, Todd and I have told you before, if you've been listening a long time, one of the first things he and I did when we first got married was read Susie Orman's book um, called... Seven Steps to Financial Freedom. Seven Steps to Financial Freedom. She was big on Oprah then. I think it was like when we had babies or pre-children. And the reason we went through that book is because Todd and I are very different when it comes to money. And all of it is from childhood, right? And we still can't crack the code of your childhood with money. I I feel like we have gone in so many different ways about how did you learn to be stressed about money? And even though there's some maybe obvious things, the Mm -hmm. fact that it wasn't always accessible, you know, like it wasn't, I don't, you we never went without, our, right. No, we always had food on our table. But there was something connected to money that drove you to, I think, I don't know. I don't, I, that's a whole nother show. That's I guess. another podcast, sweetie. Right. And, and I will be honest is that when Todd and I first got together, I wasn't smart about money and that was not, um, I wasn't, I, I had a job. I, Careless, not careless. Uh, I wasn't as concerned as I probably should have been. Because here's the thing. I've worked since I was 16. Um, My parents were actually very good with money. 
you know, like they, my dad, that was his, he's, he, my dad was a lot like Todd is where he enjoyed the process of like Sweetie, understanding. You, you married money. somebody like your dad. I know I did. And so, and my dad taught me a lot, um, about money, but I didn't fully, imp- I was too young to kind of really get that I need, like, for example, like the 401k stuff, I would just put away as much as I wanted to and yeah, where dumb. Todd would max it out. Right. Yeah. So I wasn't careless. I just wasn't as smart as you were. Maybe careless sometimes. I did go to concerts. Self-disciplined. Yeah, I wasn't. Like sometimes I'd spend money on the wrong things. Anyway, my point is, is that I had a little more like, oh, it's going to be fine. And we had to find a place in the middle so we didn't drive each other crazy. And we still talk about this. Like, okay, so we were at Disney World this weekend, which was so fun, by the way. And I want to give Laura a big shout out really sure. quick. Um, so if anybody's looking to go to Disney, send us an email, Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com, and we'll give you the perfect travel agent. Her name's Laura Ewan, and she is a friend of mine from a long time ago. She used to um, work at WGN with uh, Bill Mahler, and that's where I met her when I used to go on that show. And now she has several jobs, but one of them is helping people with their vacations. And thank God for Laura. Yeah. Because so, like Todd said, we'll give you her information or you can just see that I tagged her on our Facebook picture if you're on our Facebook page. Anyway, um, we we were in Disney World and we were in this shop and I was getting a few pins, like a few at Disney. You can get like these pins that are they're like flare. Yeah. I don't want to talk about my flare um, on, you know, like on your lanyard. And we were getting a few pins for family members and some people that we care about and not a lot, like five or six. And Todd like was like, oh. I'm going to just walk out because I, I don't know. Why did you walk out? Many reasons. You okay. want to know Yes. Why? Let me hear. Um, I judge that. Well, first of all, there's a one minute clip here from Office Space. <laughs> okay. Let's see what happens here. We need to talk. Do you know what this is about? My uh, flair. Yeah. Or uh, your lack of flair because... Uh, I'm counting, and I only see 15 pieces. Let me ask you a question, Joanna. What do you think of a person who only does the bare minimum? Huh, what do I think? Um, you know what, Stan? If you want me to wear 37 pieces of flair like your uh, pretty boy over there, Brian, why don't you just make the minimum 37 pieces of flair? Well, I thought I remembered you saying that you wanted to express yourself. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I do. I do want to express myself. Okay? Then I don't need 37 pieces of flair to do it. Wow, she's in her warrior. She she had been pushed. For those of who have not seen Office Space, she works at TGI Fridays. A, a version of that, yeah. <laughs> um, who's Brian again? Who's, Some guy with a mustache. But don't we know who he is? The mm-hmm. one who's like the super, super good yeah, waiter? It, Isn't it someone we know? Oh, Brian. Oh, I thought you were talking about our manager. Not our manager. The, the um, one. Is it the guy from Party of Five? Guy from Party of Five? Scott Wolf? Yeah, the guy that I look like. Is it Scott Wolf? No, no, it's no. not. But Scott Wolf did a Saturday Night Live skit where he where he's did that guy. That. That's yeah, what it was. yes, you do look like Scott Wolf. Here's why I don't like pins at Disney. Okay, <laughs> because uh, I don't value them. This okay, this is my judgment. Okay, what are you gonna do with a pin that you put on? Okay, like it's dumb. Okay, like this is dumb. Second is I know this thing costs Disney five cents. Okay, and they're selling them for nine dollars. Okay, or whatever. Right. Um, and then the minute that you get into the rhythm of buying little pins that you put on your shirts or your backpacks, 
it's hard to stop. So how <laughs> you think much we're going to become addicted? To how pins, much did honey? we spend on buttons this weekend? Uh, let's see. I think I Honestly. like fifty something, sixty something dollars. Yeah. See, that freaks me out. But you're thinking of it in terms of your money and your like bottom line. And my what money, I'm thinking, my bottom line, what I think is valuable now, which is stupid because it's not about me. It's about whoever's buying it and. The fact that our daughters want to put pins on their backpacks. But it wasn't just for that. Okay, so most of the pins that I bought for people in my family right. to demonstrate to them that I was thinking about them while I was on vacation. Yeah. Because a lot, I don't usually get gifts for people on vacation, but sure. people tend to get gifts for me. Yeah. And I think it's very kind and mm -hmm. it's very loving. And I, the fact that they go into a store and they think I'm going to get this for Kathy. I have less of a charge about that stuff than our daughters putting on backpacks. I'm not saying I'm right, but I'm just being honest. Like, look at their backpacks. They have pins all over them. So why is that? That's like a version of their like. Um, Identif just, it, it identifies them, but it's am, it's like a it's trend. Like. Yeah, it's and the girls don't ask for a lot of things. And the thing above everything else uh -huh. is that I just know it's the markups on those are just ridiculous. Right. Like I don't mind spending four dollars on a thing of straw organic strawberries. Okay. I mean, not that I love doing it, but I'm like, okay, treated the environment a little bit nicer. But you still struggle with it. I do. You don't. You still give me a very hard time. About I do, that but stuff. the the pins are even worse because. Okay, so JC has a new pin on yeah. her backpack. She's gonna wear it. It's gonna be there all year. Yeah. It's something that's meaningful to her. Yeah. Um. You know, Cameron ended up getting the Baymax one, yeah. which is meaningful to her. Right. And you have a hard time with that. That you understand that's all. I mean, besides the food, I know Disney's expensive. I'm not trying to play a game of it. It wasn't expensive, but those were the only things they got. We right. didn't get t-shirts. I, I went, I ended up going to a Walmart to get Mickey ears because the, the Mickey ears at Disney are crazy. So the ones at Walmart were cheap. So I get that kind of thing. I'm not going to drop $30 on something when I can get it for five, but it's in that moment, like you sometimes, and I, I know you know this because I tell you, you suck the joy out of it. Totally. Because I'm like, oh, I'm going to get this for my mom. Oh, I got to get out of here. And I'm like, God, like, can I just enjoy buying my mom a gift? I know, I'm a curmudgeon. Right. And so there is, if I was a big spender, mm -hmm. like I was just spending money and using the credit card and getting stuff for myself all right. the time, I can understand you saying, dude. This is not what we agreed to. Like, so for those of you out there who are like thinking I'm trying to give you permission to buy whatever you want, that's not what I'm saying. There's again, it's not black and white. There's a gray, but I really don't do that. Mm. And I try and be thoughtful. I know when you look at me, you think I spend more than you do on things, but it's kind of like, you know, well, I spend a hundred dollars on a pickleball racket. Well, and that's, that's dumb. Well, and that's the thing is, I think you you keep your glasses on exactly. about what's important to exactly. you. Exactly. And then when something's important to me, you're like, "That's dumb," mm -hmm. and it's not. Right. You're you're doing the exact same thing that we don't want to do to our kids, right. which is, I value you now have two paddle boards to yes. go out on Lake Michigan, and yes. I know how much those are. Yeah. And when I'm like, I need a new pair of shoes. How many do you have? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's not. And again, we really, Todd, yeah, I really don't on. argue about this this much. Well, I'm I making stuff up. Yeah, yeah. But my point I, I is, I do have two paddle boards, but I don't say how many pairs of shoes. Do you well, have. I'm making up an example right. of something that I would want, right. and I don't even go out and buy shoes. These shoes I'm wearing, I've had for three years. Mm -hmm. The point is, is that I think this conversation that Todd and I are having is not just about he and I. 
in our relationship, if you don't understand why something isn't meaningful to somebody else, it doesn't mean it's not meaningful. Mm -hmm. Just because you can't feel it. Like one thing that you don't really say much about anymore because you know it's important to me, I really like going to musicals and plays. And I live right outside of Chicago, so I get to go to Broadway a lot. And I went to New York a few weekends ago and went to Broadway. Like these are things that are important to me. The arts are really important to me. And musical tickets are not cheap. No. You know, I took the girls to see Evan Hansen last summer or last winter, and it's like $100 a ticket, and we all know Hamilton. But that, to me, is a life experience and a cultural literacy that I think is important for my girls. Right, and so for me, it depends, and then we'll get back on track. Okay. For me, it depends on what it is. Like, I have, I can appreciate the whole you, arts yes, thing. Yes, you do. There are certain things I'm yes. like, all right, I get it. Let's right. go watch these amazing people do right. these amazing things. Same way, like... I spent whatever sixty dollars on Cubs tickets for Skyler to go eat popcorn. Like, right, that was dumb. Right. I'd rather, but it's a bit baseball game. Right, I'd rather send. I'd rather go to a musical where it's something different that that they would enjoy more. So, anyways, right. um, but so like it just depends on like my judgment shows up in certain things that are bought. Right, and other things I'm like, no, I get it. Like this is what it costs. This is you're paying money and you're right. going to go see amazing people sing and dance and play music. Like that makes sense to me. But the one thing just to kind of bring us back, sure. this is my baggage. Yes. This is our baggage. Yes. These are the conversations that need to take place. Correct. As opposed to, you know what, daughter, this is how much it's going to cost extra if you get a ticket and right. your insurance. Right. Like instead, look inward of what your baggage is. And that doesn't mean you don't, doesn't mean you ignore your kids, but while you're trying to mold your children, mold yourself. And I'm saying this to myself because I got so much work to do. And I'm sure that our Team Zen listener and her husband has work to do too. And I'm sure you have work to do too. We just, I think us parents are so into how do we teach our kids? Well, and I would like, you know, and again, focusing on your words, just mold yourself and talk to your kids. You can't mold them. Yeah. Like, but we do mold them. We do because of what we are doing. Mold yourself. And then if you know what your baggage is, then you will not pass it along. Correct. So you're molding them by molding yourself. Yes. You said mold yourself and then go mold your kids. Yeah. And really, you don't, that's, if you're molding yourself, then that is where it's going to, that's going to end up healthy for them. And I want to say that I started the show by saying we were going to talk about rupture and repair. And that's exactly this conversation we're having. Um, even though we've had it so many times, we don't really get agitated about it anymore because we both hear each other. But rupture means something isn't going the way that it should. Mm -hmm. Either you're leaving the shop because you can't handle us buying some pins or you do have a spouse who is spending too much money or you have a, a one of your, your partners yelling at your kid. There is a, a rupture going on that needs to be dealt with. And we, in the moment, sometimes, sometimes it's right in the moment. And sometimes it's something we're kind of watching from a distance and we have got to deal with it. And what in clinical terms, rupture and repair is there's some kind of blow up. Yeah. And then we sit in a therapeutic setting and focus on getting back to solid ground. Some people don't know that's possible. Mm. Some people just rupture, 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 and pretend nothing happened. Yeah. Or they rupture, the, and again, I'm, I'm pulling this clinical word apart and now making it different things, but you know, we dump our stuff on other people and just 
in in the morning were like, good morning. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing happened last night. What are you talking about? Oh, that happened last night. We don't need to talk about it. That's not healthy. You, What health is, what emotional health is, is being able to deal with things when they're happening, talk through it. It gets super uncomfortable, but being willing to be in that place and then working back to repair. So what this is for me, and you're usually the one that gets the visuals. Yes. But I feel like... I don't know how to how to say this, but like you get a cut on your skin, uh-huh. and instead of putting ointment on it, uh-huh. you're just putting a band aid on it. But and and the band aid is meant to cover it up. So band aid sometimes can be think, thought of as good, but in this way, I mean, you're just putting mm-hmm. like you're putting a blanket mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. and then you just keep putting blankets on this thing to the point where you're like you don't even know how you got here, where you started. I don't know if I'm making any sense. I do. What if we say, let's play with your cut analogy. So you get a cut on your skin and then you don't want to look at it. So you throw dirt on it Yeah. and you kind of, or you look away from it and it feels painful, but you don't want to look at it. And when you throw dirt on it and you don't pay attention to it, it gets infected right. and it gets bad. And then it gets in, into something that you don't even know how to deal with it or where it began. Like most of the women that I talk to who are struggling in their marriage, they will say to me, I don't even know how we got here. Right. Like, I don't even know which thing I'm pissed about. I just know that since the beginning when we're together, that when we first started out, he would talk to me this way or he was always in charge or I never got a say. And then nothing, the the they never dealt with the, the blow up. So how... Okay. Let's say you're with a client. Yes. And they're like, I don't even know, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. I, my relationship with my son or my daughter or my spouse or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I don't even know what it's about. Mm-hmm. Some people might take that and be like, God, I got so much work. Like, how do I repair this? Mm-hmm. Because you know that the foundation, the source of this discontent or this disharmony mm-hmm. is buried so far below the mm-hmm. surface. How do you help somebody deal with something that is 10 layers below. You come in in present time, meaning I never recommend, if there's something that happened just that day that they can make amends to, like there was a big fight that morning, I may say, you know, maybe you want to call them or write them an email and say, you know, sorry that I blew up today. We'll talk about it tonight. But I don't recommend necessarily going way back. Mm -hmm. It's start right now. And meaning don't, do that yelling thing again. Yeah. Don't be passive aggressive. Or when you notice you're being passive aggressive, don't do it for very long. Yeah. And say to your partner, I feel myself being passive aggressive. My point is, is sometimes we feel so overwhelmed by our past, we don't start anywhere. Yes. And what you have to do is start in present time. Now, here's the key, though, to the past. If you are in an argument and then you want to repair from a healthier place and your partner brings something up from a year ago that hurt them, you can say in that moment, you don't say, well, that was a long ago. We're not going to talk about that. You can say, you're right. Yeah, I did hurt you. So you are repairing some past things as you go along, you know, because if they say this happened a year ago and you say, oh no, we don't want to look at that. You're, you're rupturing again in the moment. Right. You're not listening. So what I would say to that, first of all, I agree with you. And it's sometimes like demoralizing, like, oh, this is such a layered thing. Like it's it's easier just to look away mm-hmm. and ignore or whatever. And what I what I think I believe now is that life will continue to give you these opportunities for growth. Over and over. So you don't have to like, okay, I hurt this person 10 years ago or I should have like done this with my kids 10 years ago and I didn't. Like you're going to have an exchange with your kids sometime, whether or not they're 15 years old or 10 years old or 25 years old, you're going to get another opportunity. Right. 
and kind of exactly what you're saying is start with whatever shows up today. Right. And if, and, and this is, let me be clear because I totally agree with everything you just said, by the way, but if someone comes in and tells me, you know, I have been really hard on my kid about homework, which mm-hmm. I hear all the time, you know, I'm very, I'm, I'm not very fun with my kids because I'm always focused on them getting there. I have to be the hard ass. Everyone makes me be the hard ass. And I'm always like, you don't have to be that. Who told you that that was your role? Well, nobody else does it. Well, that's because you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like maybe shift today that role that you have taken on. So you don't, so you're right in everything you said, but you don't have to wait for a week to do something. You can go home that day and say, either I'm sorry, I yelled at you this morning or be different at dinner. So sometimes when I'm coaching my clients who are guys and they're stuck in a pattern, Uh I say, do the opposite. I know. Now listen. Okay. (laughs) So I was at the Disney store. If I was taking some of my own advice, uh-huh. I feel like the opposite would be like, let's not only, not only am I going to appreciate what pins you're buying, I need to buy some pins for myself. But see, the, the reason I don't like it when you say do the opposite is it's it's going from one, it's the dichotomy thing. But it's better than being stuck. I understand. And and I I love the fact that you're trying to just kind of wiggle them out of that role. Just I get change it. the energy. But even that example you gave. I'm not even saying it's a good idea. Right. But even the example you gave, you don't have to buy pins. Just don't be hard on us about buying pins. So when you say do the opposite, it makes people feel like they have to pretend. Well, maybe the opposite is that I maybe- Take a breath and just put on different glasses and say, Kathy wants to buy things for people in her family and to her that's important. So, I, But I feel like my work would be, it, I would have to feign excitement about the pins you're buying. That doesn't seem Okay, healthy. so now you're going the other way. You just said, do the opposite, and if I was really going to do it, I would buy pins. Like, level I'm- one is to not to not say the stupid comment of me walking out of the store. Okay. That's level one. Okay. Level two is like, oh, let us let me help you pick one. No, that's not level two. Level two is just chilling and not having any commentary about it. And I don't mean like, you know, most of the time you and I can have humor about it. Like, you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll show you something, you'll go... Ooh, nice, pretty. Like, I know you don't care about what I'm yeah. looking at and you kind of will say something funny, but you're really supportive about if that's important to you, sure. that's fine. So that level two is meet me where I am. You don't have to pretend to like pins. Mm. That's false and fake. Yeah. It's I respect you. I trust you. You don't have to say these words, mm-hmm. but if this is important to you and you're going to get a pin, and for those of you who are like, yeah, but my partner spends boatloads of money and buys things we don't need, that necessitates a conversation. That's different than just your partner walks in because you need a new rug because the other one, someone threw up on it, and you're like, we don't really need a rug. And it's like, we do need a rug. Someone threw up on that one. We need another one. Because that's kind of where you and I are, is you... like Even Todd and I live in a house where we have bedrooms for the girls now, but it used to be a pretty small ranch Mm. and we loved it but we knew having three girls or i knew that having three girls it was not going to work and it really took some convincing of you because your first visual is money yeah and my first thing i go it's first place i go and mine is 
the people. Yeah. How are we going to manage being with each other? Sweetie, were we, were, were we were with each other in a small hotel room for three nights. Oh my God, it was so fun. <laughs> you know why it was fun? Because it's not typical. <laughs> I know. If that was our normal, we would kill each other. We would. And and we, and we let me give you an example of, of how this worked out too. So we, like Todd said, we were in a small hotel room in... Um, uh, literally small, not not like an embassy suites where you have two rooms, but like five of us in yeah. one room. And we weren't in the room very much, but when we were, it was all of us. Now, I know that one of my daughters needs space from people. Um, when she gets home, she needs to go, and not in a, she doesn't get angry. She's just like, bye everybody, I'm going to go take some space. So while the five of us were in that room and we were all kind of being funny and messing around, there was a point where she needed to put her earphones on and watch something on her own. Mm -hmm. And everyone was kind of giving her a hard time. Mm -hmm. And I said, you guys, you all know Cameron needs some space at the end of every day. She's been with us for as many hours. Let her have some earphone time. And, and actually everybody was pretty great about it. I didn't really need to stomp around about it. Yeah. But I guess my point is that's another example. That has nothing to do with money. Yeah. But sometimes we're like, be with us. Be with us because we want to be with you. Yeah. But what if they... Don't want to be with us. And is that okay? Yeah. And this is, I mean... I, I could say no. Family vacation. Correct. We're together. All right. that stuff. Which is your lens. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things, getting back to the initial question, to this family, dealing with the car, the car is a big deal. Your kids do need to understand what goes into a car. One of the suggestions that I gave is also teach your daughter how a car works so she can respect it. Mm. That was something that my dad did with me. He taught me how to do an oil change. He he expected it to be clean, and it wasn't very so clean. He didn't teach you how to do an oil change. He taught you, taught you how to check the oil. Check the oil, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I don't <laughs> see you as like... He taught me how to check the oil. Yeah. Um, obviously, how to pump gas. That's an obvious one. He taught me how to check the t um, air pressure on the tire. You know, obviously, how to fill up a tire. And then taught me how to be conscientious about if something goes off on the dashboard, make sure that you figure it out. You know, get get service. Don't drive around with a bunch of lights on your dashboard. And for those of you that, like, are really good car mechanics, go beyond that. Yeah. Teach your kids how to do some things. That teaches responsibility in a different way that isn't all focused on money, but may end up saving you some money if they're smart with the car. That's another way to teach responsibility. And that can be fun. Not in a serious, like, I'm going to test you on this. Don't say, now, how many liters did I say? Don't make it schooly. Just go through it with them. And then maybe another suggestion I gave to them was, you know, if your daughter gets money for her birthday, let her know now that she has a car, 10% of that money that she gets for her birthday does go into savings or does go into a car kind of account mm -hmm. to help pay for it. Like yeah. if she can't get a job right away because of what is expected for from her at school. Can she babysit maybe once a month and get a lot of money and put 20% of that away? Like we don't have to drive our, you know, force our kids into like a full-time or part-time job to teach them responsibility. There are little things that we yeah, can there's do. there's nuances. And it can be gentle. Um, when I when you said that your dad taught you how to do an oil change, <laughs> yeah. it reminded me of this Seinfeld clip. Oh boy! Food for you, huh? No more grease monkey. Hi. I don't care for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't know. I don't know too many monkeys who could take apart a few of them. I saw one once that could do sign language. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> Coco. Yeah, Coco. <laughs> right, Coco. A chip's all right. I thought. <laughs> 
I wish the audio was better. Putty. I love Putty. Putty was one of the best characters ever on Seinfeld. Oh my, he's one of the best characters of all time as far as I'm concerned. Coco. That's right. We get letters from Coco, you know. We do? Yeah, we gave money to something. Coco's the, he's sign language, he does sign language. Yeah. We get like calendars and stuff. I don't know, some donation that we gave. But anyway. Um, so we should close up shop. Okay. Um, so did we answer that question? I don't know. Um, I want to say her name, but I won't no. just because I didn't get permission. No. But if we didn't, we'll talk about it the next Zen Talk next yeah. a week from Tuesday. Yeah. Um, some other things I want to announce. Uh, we do have a few Zen friends that I have given nicknames for. Oh, boy. Is it, Zen friend is somebody who donates the scholarship fund because I just got another email from that guy. So wait a second. The scholarship fund for the Zen Parenting Conference. So basically, if you become a Zen friend, it helps um, us we are allowed then to give people who cannot afford to go to the conference either a discount or a, a free ticket. And every time money comes in, it goes right back out because Todd and I are getting emails constantly. That's right. Um, so a Zen friend, Elizabeth Buswick. Uh-huh. Elizabeth, I'm driving the bus. Buswick. I knew you were going to, I thought you were going to say I'm on the bus. Sajani Garia. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm sorry, but Sajani the Sarge. That's all I come up with. Kind of weak. I don't get it. Sajani Sarge kind of sounds Philip. Oh, similar. Sajani. I got it. I thought you said it was, I envisioned a man because I thought you said Johnny. No, Sajani. no, the Sarge. Um, new Teams and members. Um, I may have already welcomed them. Melissa from Seattle, Gail from Glen Ellen, Eve from Troy, New York, Carrie from Chicago, and Lori from Suwanee, Georgia. Nice. Welcome to the team. Yes. We have an awesome team. We have a Team Zen. We have Zen Talk October 15th. That's a week from today. Uh, Q&A with Kathy and I. There's 67 podcasts, uh, private podcasts. This is Team Zen. For only Team Zen members. Discount off conference dis tip tickets. Be a part of the Facebook community. Behind the scenes. You get to see our rabbit. I'm sure that's why people will join. Eating romaine lettuce. It's very fun. Um, and you get to support our podcast. Because that's what that's kind of the engine that builds us. And we do have some reviews, sweetie. You ready? Okay. Muriel from the United States. She says informative, supportive, and non-judgmental. Good. Gabe from Minnesota. High vibrations. He says, <clears throat> Gabe, you know the feeling you get to read a book and every page you open up resonates with something you've always felt but not realized. That's what I get from every episode of ZPR. Thank you, Gabe. I think you've read that before, though, Toddy. What about Stars and Angels from the United States? Uh, he or she says, it's okay. You read that before. Three stars. I don't think I read it. Yes, you did, because you played the wah, wah, wah. We talked about it. We did a whole thing about it. Really? Yes. All right. Uh, a DJ Love says, listen up. And then Five Monkeys Jumping on the Bed. Really enjoy the podcast. Um, and then lastly... Uh, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. Right. He is our partner. He's been with our partner since the very first episode. You can meet him at the Zen Parenting Conference. That's nine years. We've known Jeremy nine years. Longer than that. You can ask to rub his bald head. No. Yes. Okay. You can ask him. Yes, sweetie. Um, so to close, I want I want to say two things. I want to go to there. I want to go to there. Oh, are you done? I totally jumped in and interrupted uh, you. I'm coaching sorry. for guys. First session's free. Guys, if you need any support. Uh, ToddAdamsCoaching.com. I'll get you that support. So you, do you know who D.W. Winnicott is? He's, uh, yeah, he's okay. some psychologist guy. Well, he he developed the idea of the good enough mother. Um, and I'll just say good enough parent because I think this applies to you know regardless of gender. And um, it really just means that we don't have to be perfect and that being good enough um, is good enough and that 
in relationship with people we love, there will be rupture and repair. Mm. Um, there's a lot of couples who will say things like, I never fight, we never argue, we never disagree. And usually that's conflict avoidance. Mm. And it can be the same with kids. Like, I know this is going to sound crazy, but parents who are like, oh, we never have disagreements or they agree with everything I said, that may not be the healthiest thing either, because that may be a child who doesn't feel like they have any autonomy at all. Yeah. So they never speak back. Um, it's it's really just about it's okay when disagreements come up. It's okay if you don't know what path to choose yet. It's okay if you're surprised by something your kid says, and then you have to figure out how to repair. Like, that's life. That's, that's, oh, it's okay. And I just think that for people who go around thinking, I want to feel happy all the time and I never want to argue again. Um, you can learn how to argue healthier and in a less painful way, um, for you and the other person, that is always something you can do, but please don't go through life thinking that you won't be challenged with things because you will. Mm. And, um, so is there a quote that you want to share from DW or no? The good enough mother. I already did. That's oh. his that's his thing, the good enough mother. Got it. Or the good enough parent is that you are good enough. Even if you're having a thing right now, you just you're not supposed to be perfect. That's all. So Well and the way I would say that is sometimes good enough. Is good enough. It's good enough. Yeah. Be more gentle on yourself because if your children, they are watching you all the time. And if you treat yourself with gentleness, they will learn how to do that. Not through lecture, but by watching you be gentle on you. Drop the mic, sweetie. <laughs> uh, say no most fire tomorrow. Pop culturing. Try, Subscribe. Try virtual tomorrow night too. Adios. Take care. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one -on -one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.